Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. I don't understand the big picture. I kind of have an idea where I'm going to go and do this and that and the other, and you do too, and we plan it. But when we plan our step, it says God takes care of them and changes them for us if we're sensitive. So here's one that Reuben, he didn't even know why he's even probably saying that. He wants to save his brother, but it's God that put in a detail. Because watch this. I want you to write this down. When you see this, it'll make sense to you. Nobody can stop God's plans, his details. God is always in control. As you go through your day... Day after day, it's easy and common to get the idea that you're the commander of your ship, that you can call the shots in your life. Even if you are a Christian, it's not surprising to take on that mindset. Scripture, however, begs to differ. God makes it pretty clear that he's the one who rules over every life. Pastor Mark will be teaching about Joseph's life story and how God used all of the events in Joseph's life to make him the kind of man that God could work through. You'll discover that even the most awful events in your life can be used by God to improve you as a person. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Genesis chapter 37. As he continues his message, Joseph, favored son, is sold into slavery. I want to tell you this because it may sound strange to you, but I want you to read this statement. Parents, this is for you. Love and treat all your children as equals. There's no place for favoritism. Now you say, well, Pastor Mike, right, we did favor one of the children, and it's too late, they're grown. You know, it's not a bad thing to just say to that person that you kind of didn't favor. Mom and dad were wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. Because, see, if people are the second, third, fourth, fifth child and not really favored, does that follow them in their life? Oh, it follows them all over the place. They get angry. They get, what happened to me? Why the? You're going to see this from the brothers. Say, what? The young guy at 17 is one? And by the way, quite often, it is the young baby that now gets to be that special person. Parents, Don't do that. That's not biblical at all. Now, as I was getting ready to come to church at five minutes before I was leaving home, and God gave me this illustration, and I think it's purposeful for all of us. Some of you sitting here, and you were an unfavored child. You weren't the one. You might have been down third place, fourth place, depending on the size of your family. You just weren't the one. And you have carried that hurt All these years, you don't talk about it, but it affected your esteem, how you are. Well, from my home, my parents really didn't, I mean, it was okay, I was in the home, they loved me, they didn't beat me, but I just wasn't really loved like the others. I want to say something to you. 
If that's you, and I'm not asking anybody to raise any hands, none of that. I'm just saying this to you. If that's you, leave it in the church today and walk out of here. Why should I do that? Here's what God told me. If you're a Christian, you're a son and daughter of God. And he has no favorites. We're all equal. Turn to your neighbor's say, We're all equal. Come on, turn to your neighbor. We're all equal. That's exactly right. So that's why you can leave it here, because God loves you just like everybody else. And that will release a bondage in your life. God gave that to me as I walked out the door. That's for some people. You don't have to tell anybody. Just leave it here. Amen? Okay. Now, what is this marriage thing all about? Well, it's certainly not to be for women. That's unbiblical right from the start. God designed the home to be the foundation of our society. It's a place where God should rule. And you're going to see there's a place kind of here where it does, but then other times it doesn't. Notice this verse from Psalms. Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders, the husband and the wife, labor in vain. So I want to ask you, those of you that are married and you have a home or your grandparents, whatever, Ask yourself this. Look at Sila. It means stop and think about it. Is your home directed by God? See, when we do premarital, we never marry a couple if one's a believer and the other one isn't a believer. We never marry the couple. Now, we're not harsh with them. We just tell them this is unbiblical. Can two walk together and they agree? No, they cannot. And so we kindly show them to the scriptures because that's what God always told us. And there needs to be two believers that make a marriage. Well, later on, after you think about that, there's going to be problems if they're not walking the same path. And already it's going to be a dysfunctional home, and many of them never last. That's why we've been doing that, and almost every evangelical church does that. We want the other person who's not a believer, give time, don't rush your marriage, let them become a believer, let's see if it's real, and go on and walk with God. Now, Here's the next question. If that home is directed by God, remember, a home is not a twosome. It's a threesome. God at the top, husband that loves God, and a wife that loves God. If that's happening, what comes next? Look at here. If so, there'll be unity, love, and peace in a home. So now we're beginning to see, because of the favoritism, none of those things are really in the home. None of those things are in the home. So It's going to get worse. Watch what happens in verse 5. Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. And he said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright. And while your sheaves gathered around mine, here's the words, and bowed down to it. Here's a picture of what that kind of would have looked like. Take a look at this. There's this little 17-year-old, and he says, I got this dream from God. And what he's saying is, in the future, all of you are going to bow down to me. How's that going to go over? This little 17-year-old wimp up there with all the big brothers, you're going to submit to me, Joseph says. That's it. By the way, this was a dream from God. And it will come true. As we go through the chapters, you'll see this happens. Now, look at the response in verse 8. 
His brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more. So we're not doing well. We're getting hate, more hate, more, more, more hate because of the dreaming, what he'd said. Now, here's a question. None of us can answer it. Should Joseph have shared that dream? Some of you will say no. Others say, well, it's from God. Sure. But sometimes God gives us a dream. By the way, God still gives dreams today. And we're going to see in the last part, in the book of Acts, in the last days, there'll be more dreams and visions given to people. But the careful thing is, I've learned from my life, if God gives me a dream and he wants me to share with somebody, I usually ask. But very often, you know, when God gives you a dream or insight, it's just for you to keep to yourself. But Joseph goes and he does it, maybe because he's immature, maybe because he's insensitive, he's prideful. I don't really know. But look at verse 9. Then he had another dream. And he told his, to his brothers, listen, I had another dream. What are they thinking right now? Say, what? Tired of the first one. I had another dream, and this time the sun and the moon and the 11 stars, the brothers, sun and the moon's mom and dad, were bowing down to me. And when he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him. And he said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I, your parents, and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? So there's a picture of what God gave. These were dreams that were from God. They will be fulfilled. Joseph has no clue of the time. Neither does the parents or the brothers. Now, these dreams were arranged by God. Because when Joseph becomes on that roller coaster of life, when he hits some down places, we're going to see some down places today. He's going to think to himself, where is God? What am I doing here? And I've been accused wrongly. Where is God? Well, remember what God said. There's a day coming. Your brothers are going to bow to you and your mom and dad are going to bow. So something really good is going to happen. He's going to be a leader somewhere. So it gives him encouragement. So God just threw that into his life. Remember what we read, Psalms. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of his lives. Now, we go from hatred. Look at verse 11. Now, his brothers were jealous of him. But his father kept this matter, the matter, in mind. So what's brewing in that home? Peace, love, and joy? No, what's brewing is hatred, anger, and extreme jealousy. Now watch what happens. Verse 12. Now his brothers had gone to graze their father's flocks near Shechem. And Israel, Jacob, said to Joseph, As you know, your brothers are grazing their flocks near Shechem. Come, I'm, I'm going to send you to them. Very well, he replied. Now, we don't know the whole detail, but evidently the brothers had been gone quite a while. And Shechem is 60 miles away by walking, 60 miles away with the sheep. That's a long walk. In those days, shepherds could move kind of anywhere they wanted because they could find good grazing area for their animals, the sheep in this particular place. So Jacob is concerned that maybe something isn't right. Something's wrong with the sheep, something's wrong with the brothers. Maybe an enemy came, tried to steal the sheep. He's, he's just not sure. So he says to Joseph, I want you to go. Now, Joseph willingly obeys his father in spite of knowing this isn't going to be a nice 
encounter. Because his brothers hate him. They don't want anything to do with him. They're not going to talk with him. But he goes anywhere. So disobedience is another detail in Joseph's life. He obeys his earthly father and goes. Now, you would think Jacob would think, think, this isn't the right person to send. But he just does it. Now, look at verse 14. So he said to him, go and see if all is well with your brothers and with the flocks and bring back word to me. Then he sent him off from the valley of Hebron. When Joseph arrived at Shechem. Now watch this open door. Watch God behind the scenes now. So here's Joseph. He comes to Shechem. He has no idea where the brothers are. He doesn't know where to go next. He doesn't have a Google map. He's trying to figure what to do. Look at this. And when Joseph arrived at Shechem, look at verse 15. A man found him wandering around in the fields and asked him, what are you looking for? Now, of course, this man is there just by accident. You think so? Not at all. He's there because God arranged him to be there. Watch how better it gets. And Joseph replied, well, I'm looking for my brothers. Can you tell me where they are grazing their flocks? Now, watch this man's answer. Look at verse 17. What brothers are you talking about? I don't have any ideas of these brothers. No, he doesn't say that at all. He says, these brothers just moved right through here. They have moved on from here. He watched them. He probably talked with them. Where are you from? Whatever and whatever. What are you doing? I'm J- we're Jacob's sons. And he moved on from here, the man answered. And watch this. This is another coincidence. Get ready. I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. That's better than any G directions in your computer than you can ever get. Go to Dothan. How long would it take Joseph to find them in Dothan if he didn't know they were in Dothan? He could still be looking today. So everything you see there was arranged by who? God. The details of our lives. He didn't have a Google Maps, but he's got the all-knowing God. And he's reigning. Of course, he's not thinking about this. He's going, wow, this is lucky. I know this ain't lucky. God's working in the background of our lives. And this guy overhears where they're going. So what's he going to do? Well, you know what he's going to do. Watch this. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. So here's another open door. He finds a man that knows his brothers has seen them, and God orchestrates Joseph going to them. Now look at verse 18. But they saw him in the distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. How do they get from anger to kill him? Well, you're going to see this in a moment. You see, they are already thinking in their mind. Remember, the battle is in our mind. So they hate him. They hate him. And they're thinking. Let me tell you what they're thinking. If we can get rid of Joseph, however we can do it, this looks like an opportunity, then Joseph will be out of our house, and it will go back to the normal house. Us guys, we're all equal. Dad doesn't have any special people anymore. Plus, the lousy coat that we have to look at, that he's the special daddy's boy. Plus, he's going to get everything when dad goes. He's going to be the owner. Dad will be gone. Plus, 
No dreams. They'll be gone. There's no dreams. We got to find a way. So what are we going to do? We're going to kill them. Gets rid of the coat. Gets rid of the dreams. And gets rid of the future that Joseph will be our leader. Wow. What got them angry? When they saw Joseph coming, was it the little 17-year-old boy just walking that got him? No, it was the coat he was wearing. Hi, guys. Dad want me to come out. You know, I am his favorite. I don't know whether we said that or not. But that's what they're saying. Thanks a lot. Look at that coat. Now, watch what happens with this. Anger is only one letter away from danger. You see, Proverbs 29, 22 says it like this. An angry man stirs up dissension, and a hot-tempered one commits many sins. See, you will know, I know, we watch it. Anger, if not controlled, can be extremely explosive. It leads to violence, hurtful words, all kinds of criticism, and of course, eventually to unforgiveness. We see it, we live around it, road rage, abuse in the home, divorce, dangers, it's all over us. Here's what I want you to write. Watch this path. Hatred, anger, jealousy usually proceed down a horrible path. You see, it isn't going to get better It started with hatred. Now it's anger. Now it's jealousy. And we just read, now it leads to let's kill him. There it is. That's the rule. But the Bible tells us that we can control that. By the way, some people, as we already said earlier, they believe that they'll never, ever be able to get rid of anger because it came from their dad or their mom. No, that's not correct. Look at here. Romans 8. Those who are dominated by their sinful nature. Dominated means that sinful nature is in control. Think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, think about the things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. It's spiritual death to you. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. So it is always a battle for all of us. But if I'm struggling, you're struggling here today with anger or hatred, simply ask God to forgive you. Ask God to fill you again with the Holy Spirit, which he'll do. Enjoy forgiveness and start walking in peace instead of anger and jealousy and rage. God can do it. It's the battle of the mind and the spirit can lead us. Now, here's how this all happens. Look at verse 20. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of those cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. Do you see it? If he's dead, the dreams are gone. There's nobody to fulfill them. When Reuben, first child, firstborn child, should have taken over when dad dies, firstborn child. But Jacob liked Joseph because firstborn of Rachel. Now, When Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into the cistern here in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take him back to his father. 
Here we see the thoughts to kill Joseph, which would eliminate, like I told you, all the things that they were trying to get rid of. But what is God going to do right here? Do you think that Reuben is doing this by himself? Who put that thought into Reuben's mind? God did. Remember, he's against all the other brothers. No, don't do that. That's stupid. So what you see here is this. God, in his big plan, killing Joseph was never in his plan. So what's God going to do? He's going to stop it. Who does he use? Reuben. To stop it. Because that's not God's plan. See, we, we have trouble understanding God's plan for our life, as I said to you before. His plan, the only one that understands the big picture in your life and my life is God. I don't understand the big picture. I kind of have an idea where I'm going to go and do this and that and the other, and you do too, and we plan it. But when we plan our step, it says God takes care of them and changes them for us if we're sensitive. So here's one that Reuben, he didn't even know why he's even probably saying that. He wants to save his brother, but it's God that put in a detail. Because watch this. I want you to write this down. When you see this, it'll make sense to you. Nobody can stop God's plans, his details. God is always in control. Don't ever doubt God. Now, we do when we get down in the valley. That's Satan bringing it to you. Trust God. Trust God. Because what? Our God is good, good, good. You should remember that. It's only 20 minutes ago. Come on. Okay? So it's good. It's good. It's good. So here's the key. God's not going to let that happen. So he arranges the details, and the person he uses is Reuben right there. Now look at verse 23. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him, number one, of course, of his robe, the ornate robe he was wearing. And they took him and threw him into the cistern. The cistern was empty. There was no water in it. Now, what is Joseph feeling about now? I would use the word initially, confused. Then I would use the word, scared out of his mind. Because they take his coat, and they throw him into a cistern where there's no water. Now, whether he heard them say the word, kill him, we don't really know. But it's very interesting, because later on, when we get to chapter 42... The brothers said this, listen, while he's down in that, down in that cistern, they said this. These are the brothers speaking. We saw his anguish when he pleaded for his life. So whether he heard them say, we're going to kill him, or he knew, "Uh uh-oh, I'm done. He pleaded. He was miserable. He was absolutely miserable. So... What kind of a place is he in now? Is he on a mountaintop with his robe and his favorite son? No, he's down in a what? A valley. And he's wondering. He's scared. He's, God, where in the world are you? Today, Pastor Mark warned us about how important it is for parents to foster a loving, equitable environment at home. Pastor Mark used the Bible's recitation of Joseph's brother's attitude toward Joseph to show what can happen. You heard about Joseph's obedience to his father to go look for his brothers, even though Joseph knew that encounter might not go well. 
Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. We have multiple campuses to reach those living in Melbourne, Sebastian, and Vieira. All campuses meet each weekend and on Wednesdays to spend time collectively raising our voices in worship to our Most High God and studying the truth and blessings found in His Word. For more information, directions, and service times, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on the church link at the bottom of the page. Next time, Pastor Mark will close out his teaching, Joseph, favored son, is sold into slavery. You'll hear about the culmination of Joseph's brother's hatred toward him, along with God's intervention into their original plans. You'll learn how Joseph's story can relate to your own in that God is always there, using the circumstances of life to mold you into the likeness of his son, Jesus. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through this series, Trusting God in the Ups and Downs of Life. That's next time on Lessons for Living. In a hurting world, a new hope he is giving.